Pastor David, wherever you are, and Shirley, he's hanging out with his son today, so that's pretty awesome. All right, the first thing I want to do is, if you are a father or man or son, just stand up for me. We want to bless you today. So ladies, here we go. We're going to pray We pray for, for these men in this church and online. Uh, just lay hands on yourself. <laughs> but let's pray. Father, we just want to honor these men in this house this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, uh, for young and old. God, their story is your story, Lord, that you've written in their life, God. And we just want to release a blessing over the fathers today. God, we honor them in our heart today, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would bind every accuser of the brethren off their life, God. We know that in this nation, Lord, you've come hard after families. You've come hard after fathers, God. And we just speak blessing and life over these men and their families, God, that many of them are patriarchs in their family, Lord. And we just ask that you would continue to guide them, that your presence would be strong with them, a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be upon them, and that your face would shine upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, before I get started, I did want to just put that picture up of Annie. Um, I know last week I shared about Annie and her girls, and I asked her to send me a picture um, of her with them. So uh, there they are, Ruth, Olivia, Akinda, I can't remember, I didn't write them down. But um, we were able to get above and beyond what we needed for their schooling, and so we actually have it set aside in a restricted fund for anything extra that they need, and also even for like next year's schooling. So these girls are gonna be taken care of. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. So um, when I told her, they were so excited, and so she got them registered this week, and tomorrow they start. So if you think about them, be praying for them. So um, also, Yvonne and I got to be on a Zoom call, which is so fun. We get to meet with Annie, and she is just like, we've met with her about every couple months maybe. Man, she's just on fire. We need to get her here, okay? That's how, I, I just feel like she needs to impart this Uganda fire here, you know? And um, we were praying for her, because that's what we do. Man, she started praying for us as the church in America. It was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> I just felt like we tried to do this call to pray for her, and she ended up praying for us and the church here and our nation. Um, but yeah, that was really good, so thankful for her. You can, you can put that down. Um, I was going to read this quote. Let's see if where to go. Um, Billy Graham, he said, A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. I would agree. Um, if, if you knew my story, which you're about to hear, <laughs> you would know that today would not be the day that I would choose to share at church. Um, and if you asked me what I'd want to speak about, I would feel much more comfortable speaking about prayer or revival or, I don't know, relationship with God. It's just something that I could teach line upon line. But a few weeks ago now, maybe a couple months ago now, I felt like the Lord told me that I needed to share my story. And um, normally, <laughs> actually, um, for many years, I wouldn't have even been able to stand up here. 
Um, and I possibly wouldn't have even made it to church. I might have been sleeping in in bed or at home crying. Father's Day was a very painful day for me growing up. Um, I grew up in a one-parent home. I was a single child, a single mother. She's here today. Uh, you can wave your hand. Yay, I love my mom. <laughs> my mom is amazing. She, I, she actually just was, um, for those that follow Charlie Shamp's ministry, they had her teach last Thursday on the orphan spirit. I didn't get to hear it, but she's an amazing teacher, intercessor, awesome lady. Um, I wouldn't be who I am without her, so definitely want to honor her today. But um, anyways, growing up as, as a child, um, I didn't remember much about my dad. Um, I sometimes wondered when I was really young if he had died. You know, when you're little, you're just trying to figure things out. Um, and we watched a lot of TBN back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s. And, but when I was really young, I remember, I think there was a little season, I thought Benny Hinn was my dad, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that counts for anything. <laughs> but um, I did. I was like, maybe that's my dad. <sighs> so here's a little, let me, let me go into my story. Well, actually, I was going to share this a little bit. So focus on the family. They say that your self-image and identity are very much wrapped up in the relationship that you have with your father. Um, father give, fathers give us our sense of identity, and that is really the concept of how we think about ourselves, how we think others think about us, and how we perceive other people. And many of us have struggled in our identity because of our um, either not knowing our father or having difficulties in our relationship with our father. Um, so if any of you have struggled with identity and purpose in your life, uh, you know, lack of identity can also trace back to that relationship. All right. So just to rewind. So my mom and dad, they met in Los Angeles. That's where I was born, Los Angeles, California. My mom came from a Jewish family, and uh, my dad was Hispanic. So they never, they liked him, but they never really approved because he wasn't Jewish, right? But they got married anyways and had me. And, um, you know, my mom was just starting to hunger and learn about the things of God and get saved. And my dad was still stuck in, um, like, a drug abuse lifestyle. And when I was four months old, my grandmother, who also lived with, like, in that area, was going to move from California all the way to South Florida. And my mom wanted us to go live with her her. Well, not with her, but like to move over to Florida with her. And so they packed up, everything was going, they moved. My dad drove with his brother um, over and within a short time, he left. He went back to California. And um, later in life, I found out that he felt like my mom and I would be taken care of better by her mom um, than by him. And he had some things that he wanted back there. Well, we didn't hear from him for a long time. It wasn't until I was seven years old that uh, my mom told me that my dad called her and he wanted to see me. It turns out when he returned to California, he had actually gotten arrested and put in jail and had been there for seven years. When she had filed for divorce because she hadn't heard from him, they couldn't even find him. And so... We just didn't really know what was going on with him, but he had gotten saved in, in jail. And so my mom was already at this time, you know, maturing as a believer, growing in the Lord. We went to church. 
Um, she knew that if my dad ever wanted to have a relationship with me or reach back out to me, that she didn't want to stand in the way. So she made a way for him to come. I'll, do you want to put up that second picture? This is a picture of me and my dad when I on that trip. He came out to visit. Um, and so, you know, he came. It was a very awesome week but also weird because I didn't have like a previous grid of a relationship with my dad. And then I had this one week and we got along and sometimes we fought because <laughs> I was a strong-willed, you know, only child that could do what I wanted. <laughs> and um, anyways, it was a good week. But he, when he went back, that was it. It was over. He had gotten remarried and I had a, I have a half-sister. So his wife and my half-sister, he went back to, you know, to be with them. Um, they had been walking through that last seven years with him. So he kept in touch. Just so you know, I'm reading from my notes because I want to stay on, on target with time, but often we would hear from him, um, or, but it would be months at a time. He would send money occasionally or send letters. And when I was 12 years old, you can take it down if you want. Um, when I was 12 years old, I got a call from him, and this was a very significant call. He called to let me know that he had made some bad choices and he was going to be going back to jail for another seven years. In that moment, I did some quick math in my head and realized that I would be 21 years old when he got out. And for some reason, that just kind of sealed the deal. I, I already didn't have him in my life, but it was like this door just kind of slammed in my face, like, you're not going to have a dad in your life. And even though, um, like I said, it wasn't like we had an active relationship. It was just like that reality that I'd be 21. And to a 12-year-old, 21 is very old. <laughs> You're very, very old. You know, you could be grown and, I don't know, lived your whole life by then. Um, so after that, um, you know, my father would call me from prison and talk to us. We, we had a lot more connection. Um, and, and I don't say this to shame him, but I, I felt ashamed. You know, people would ask, where's your dad? Uh, he's in jail. You know, it's, it, it was just, it was a very sore place for me as a child. Um, I was a pretty happy child. You can ask my mom, hyper and happy. <laughs> um, but, you know, on those days when schools would have special events, you know, fathers come in to see you, all of those type of things, especially Father's Day at church, I was just overwhelmed. All of that pain that you just kind of don't know what to do with that sits in the back of your heart over there, it would come to the front. And, um, you know, the Lord was really faithful to me during that time. I always felt the presence of God over my life. Sometimes it would feel like a very distant present uh, presence. Uh, I would see God, but like he didn't have a head and like I couldn't feel his arms, you know. He was there, but... There was, I wasn't able to connect with him. Like I didn't have like a male connection in the natural. And so there was just like that void of not having a father. So during this time when I was between the age of 12 and 20, uh, the church we went to was a really awesome spirit-filled church. The pastor was actually um, ordained under Bonnie Mahesh Chavda and Derek Prince and, and that stream. And every Father's Day, he would call up the young people and pronounce a Father's blessing over them. And he would share on the significance of Father's blessings, which I would encourage you, if you 
haven't blessed your children, your grandchildren, you don't realize the power and authority you have as fathers to speak life over them. I know you might pray for them, but I'm telling you there's something in the active blessing of them. So just putting that bug in your ear, ask the Lord when that might be. Um, but yeah, I would encourage you to definitely do that. Um, and he would specifically target young people who didn't have fathers in their life. And so there would be about 20 or so of us who would come up to the front and, um, you know, some of the kids would cry, some would just stand there. Um, it was hard for me to know exactly what they were doing because I was usually weeping <laughs> on my knees, like just sobbing. Like, I don't know why, but I would just sob and weep like so incredibly intensely. And later in my life, the Lord showed me, he said, you know, that was your pain but I was allowing you to feel the broken heart of a fatherless generation. And literally I would weep and weep like this burden that was way beyond even my own you know, absentee father, right? And um, the, Lord, the Lord's so gracious to us you know, in the midst of that because it was part of my story. Like I have so many parts of my story, but this is the father, the father. And um, I would still talk to my dad, and obviously I had this longing to be connected to him, but there was that wall. And the wall was a coping mechanism of protection. And so even though it was like I had a dad, he was calling me, I wasn't able to really enter into that relationship, you know? And it wasn't like we could make a plan like, hey, let's hang out soon. It was just like, what'd you do this week? What did I do? And that's as far as it went. Um, Let's see here. Hmm. So let's fast forward. So my dad would write me letters, and I knew I was on his mind, but honestly, I was very busy and had my own life and church, and God had blessed me. I had a very amazing mom, like I mentioned. Um, it was really good. So when I was age 21, I started getting connected to this ministry called The Call with Lou Engel, and I went to the one of the call events, and I remember my heart just burning with the stories of, you know, the Nazarites and Malachi 4, 5, and 6, which says, you know, the spirit of Elijah would come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I smite the land with a curse. And this was like, I just remember this verse just feeling like life to me, like we need to pray this, this is the answer for America. We need to see, you know, hearts of children turn to the fathers and fathers to the children. And um, so, you know, the Lord did some divine connections and I ended up hearing about the call school, which was an internship and it was um, gonna start in the fall, literally like just a few months from when I found out about it. So I decided that I was going to go. I was 20 and um, I was in college. I had no idea what I was doing. I was good at school, but I didn't know what I wanted. And, and when this happened, I knew God was calling me. So I went out and guess where the school was? It was in Los Angeles. And so here I am, 20, about to turn 21. And the Lord brings me out to California from Florida. And at that time, um, I had been in touch with my half-sister. Her name's Diana. Uh, we actually get along really well when we talk. <laughs> um, and she lived in Santa Monica, and so while I was there, I did get to meet her a couple times. And I remember her telling me, she's like, you know, our dad really loves you. And I was thinking like, okay, thank you for telling me that. <laughs> and she's like, when we, when my mom and I had uh, picked up his belongings when he went into prison, you know, they like give the family whatever they have, they can't bring anything in. He had a wallet and in his wallet was a picture of me and a copy of my birth certificate, which I don't even know if that's really safe to have that. But 
you know, at the time, I wasn't thinking that way. Um, and, I, and, and I just remember being like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Like, he carried me, you know, on his body, right? You know, like, he carried me. Like, he really did care about me. And the Lord began working in my own heart to turn my heart to my father, right? Um, I've been praying for it, for the nation, but I needed it to happen in our story. Um, let's see. Let's go here. So... I turned 21. My father was going to be getting out of prison soon, and I, he was in, I forget where, but it was like three hours away, and I actually felt like I was supposed to go visit him while he was still there, so I did. I had a friend go with me, um, and we drove up there, and I was able to go in and see him. Now, remember, I haven't seen him since I was seven. We had talked, but, you know, it's kind of crazy how God does that. He thinks you think you're following him you know, on this great call. And he's like, okay, but also I'm going to heal <laughs> you as you go and do all of these other things that you really wanted, but you didn't even know were possible. And so we had a good visit. Um, he said he had rededicated his life to the Lord and truly had. Um, and so we were able to connect about the things of God, which was really cool because we didn't have a lot of memories. We didn't have a lot of things other things, but we were able to talk about God and his experience and things like that, that, you know, maybe something he was studying in the Bible. And God began to tear down that wall in my heart that wasn't able to, you know, connect with him. So it was time. It was time for him to get out of jail. My dad is from Mexico, and so he would have to be deported. He wasn't going to be able to stay in this nation. But my sister and her husband and I, we all met him at the border, and we spent a couple days with him. And it was kind of interesting because my sister really had grown up near him and went to, when she was little, in the first seven years that I wasn't around, you know, she had spent time with him visiting. And then when he was with her and her mom from the age, well, my age, 7 to 12, before he we went back in, they lived, you know, together. They had a close relationship. But you could tell because she didn't walk with the Lord that I was able to connect with my dad in a way that was so different than even her, you know? And that's when I realized, like, okay, Lord, you're doing something here that's so much deeper than just a natural relationship. So I came out to California to follow the call of God in my life. And there's like a million stories with that. But the main thing is, you know, God wove my story and the part of my story that I thought could never be resurrected together. And he brought life. So sometimes you might be praying for something and God answers it in a way that you just didn't even expect. And I believe that for you today. You know, I did not want to share about this. I did not want to be vulnerable. I would be much happier sharing line upon line, some Bible verses. <laughs> but I know that the Lord has some healing for us today, and he wants to do something really deep. God cares more about our heart than what we can do for him. And he wants us to have whole hearts. Proverbs 4 says that all of the issues of life flow out of our heart. And no matter how successful your life or ministry or your marriage and your kids, and people can look at you and think you have it all, but if your heart is not whole, that's what God cares about. So God restored my relationship with my dad. Amen. Let's say amen. <laughs> that's awesome. But what about the big hole that I had from living these 21, 22 years without him, without a relationship, without a hug, without a kiss goodnight, without the person cheering me on when I ran my races at track or won awards at school? 
You know, there was no going back. That was all lost. But, you know, I chose to be thankful because my relationship with God was strong. And, you know, this new relationship I had with my dad as adults was, was beautiful. And um, the Lord was healing me in other ways. You know, my, my husband was a father. And I was able to see how that relationship kind of worked out, you know, seeing, you know, the kids on his shoulders and just all the wrestling and just the fun that they had was so helpful for me. Like, I literally feel like I just had a void. Like, I had no, you, you know, we'd be at church and we'd say, you know, let's just love on the Father or um, anything like that. It was just, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I just felt a void. I just didn't have um any like thing to pull from, nothing, no memories. And you know, TV and movies do this terrible job, but it's all over the place of what it should be. And so here I am, I'm 27 now, and I've had my third child. Her name was Liberty Joy. So I should have known the Lord was gonna do something <laughs> liberating in my life. And I was talking to my dad on the phone. And at that time, you know, we'd have good conversations maybe every few months. And in the middle, of the conversation, my dad says, Carla, do you feel that I abandoned you? And I said, I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> he said, you're right. <laughs> he said, Carla, I did, I abandoned you, and I'm so sorry. And he said, Carla, can you please forgive me? And my dad had apologized before, but this was something different. He was specifically addressing the abandonment. And I had forgiven him many times, and I didn't feel that I had anything negative, you know, in my heart towards him. But this was something deeper. And uh, just so you guys know, my dad's name is Raphael. And when I was writing this, I said, my dad Raphael, I, I realized that, you know, Rafa is healer. His name means healing. So my dad started sharing with me that he had just been through an Encounter Christ weekend in Mexico, and they brought him through some heart healing and they broke off generational sins, and they brought him through um, some healing from his childhood. And he told me that it was important that I forgave him, and I truly believed that I had. And then he said, I needed to honor him. Okay, hold the phone. <laughs> honor you? Was I not honoring you already? You know, I answer your calls, I've stayed in relationship with you, I send you pictures of the kids, you know, and send you cards when I can on your birthday. <laughs> um, but, you know, wasn't that honoring him? I've always let him be a part of my life. And I've always, you know, called him dad. And he continued, and he was telling me about his story with his dad. And his dad was, his dad was, um, had passed away before I was even born. And I knew that he had a pretty rough relationship with his own father. His dad was an alcoholic and abusive. My dad was one of 14 children. He grew up very poor in Mexico. And um, he had a troubled you know, childhood. So I knew when my dad started talking about this, which he never talked about his dad. <laughs> I know a lot of that from my mom and a little bit from him. But he said that this weekend he forgave his dad and was able to see that the sins his father committed against him and his family were paid by the same sacrifice and bloodshed that paid for his sins. Um, I could hear it in my father's voice and through the phone that he had sounded different, that he had been transformed in some way, and his heart felt whole. Before this, a lot of times when I talked to him, I felt like he was trying to get something from me, almost like a neediness, and it was like, which made me kind of pull back. I don't know if that makes sense, um, but this was different. I felt like my dad was open, like just open and pouring out, 
And he said, Carla, when you honor me, it's for you. It's not for me. When we put our parents in a place of honor in our heart, it's not even so much about them, but us. When the Bible says, honor your father and mother so that it will be well with you in the land. When we honor our parents in our heart, we actually receive a blessing, a generational blessing and alignment that comes to us um, that's been promised from the beginning. And it's the only commandment that has a blessing and a promise along with it. My father had not done much in my life that made me feel like I should honor him or could honor him, but I knew this was the right thing to do. And so I, he started to pray for me. Like I said, it's just crazy because here's the man who caused these wounds in my life, now leading me through prayer for healing from these wounds. And, um, you know, what I didn't realize was that I had forgiven him, but I was still holding on to the pain. I didn't want to, but I didn't know I was. I was holding on to the unfairness, the injustice. You know, maybe I'm not mad at you, Dad, but I'm mad about this situation. I'm mad at that I didn't get that, that I was robbed of having, you know, a childhood with a dad. And so all of that I still held. You know, I didn't let it go. I didn't release it. I had a judgment against that and against him. So all of that was what was causing this deep well of pain that was like a shadow over my life that I didn't even realize. I thought it was just because of the natural circumstance. Like, you know, maybe you've gone through painful situations, but that pain is actually something that God can deliver us from. So I probably looked like a crazy lady. I know my husband came in and looked at me like, are you okay? I was crying. He had the babies because we had three little ones, like age three and under. And um, as my dad was praying, I could just feel the Lord in his presence. And as he would pray, I, I would pray. But some of it, I, I don't even remember if I was repeating the words or not. But I was just like grabbing things out of my heart. And I was like, I let it go. I let it go in Jesus' name. You know, I forgive and I'm letting go of the pain. And um, all of this abandonment and rejection and things that I didn't even realize had attached to my soul um, were being delivered. And I had gone through deliverance and, and, you know, I was in a Christian internships. They always take you through these little prayers and things you do. But this was something deeper than anything I'd ever done before. Um, so I, I, uh, he prayed over me. I released all these painful things. I cut off any agreement um, with the enemy uh, for these things. And I placed him in a position of honor in my heart. However that looks, you know, I think all of us are different, but like, I could never be proud of him, but in that moment, I chose to be proud of my dad and love my dad, not because of his behavior or any definition of what being a good dad was, but because that's what Jesus did for us, is he put us in a place of righteousness. He died so that we could be in a place of sonship and with the Father, and we don't deserve any of it. And my dad didn't deserve any of it, and he knew that but he knew that this was for me, his daughter. He wanted me to be blessed. And I know God wants you to be blessed today. So I put him in a place of honor. I, I had already forgiven him, but kind of forgave again, deeper on a deeper level. And um, I just wanna say this too, like some of you here uh, may have had dads, may have had really awesome dads in your life. Um, 
But that doesn't mean that there weren't situations that maybe caused abandonment or rejection that God wants to release us from today. So um, I know I heard uh, it was Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's daughter. You would think Billy Graham is amazing. And she said, my dad's my hero. I found no flaw in him. But you know what? Sometimes when I needed him the most, he wasn't there. And because of that, when she grew up, she had issues with a sense of uh, abandonment, you know? And so it doesn't matter what family you came from. You know, we're all flawed. Uh, you look at Adam and Eve, their kids were killing each other. That starts at home, right? <laughs> like, like we were, we're not different than them, thankfully. Uh, hopefully none of your kids killed each other. But just if you feel like a bad parent, just look at Adam and Eve, okay? And know that... Know that we're not alone, right, being parents. Brandon and I are very flawed. We tell our kids all the time, we're going to hopefully have money to send you to counseling when you're older. <laughs> True story. That's revival. Um, so here's something really cool. So after that night, I passed out. I was exhausted, right? After you go through like a deliverance or whatever, you just like, fall asleep. I don't know what happened. I don't know how the kids got to bed. I don't know any of that. Um, but I fell asleep. But when I woke up in the morning, I was a new person. I could breathe all the way in. I had a heart that was whole for the first time that I remember in my whole life. Like, like I tried to think of really painful memories and situations to trigger it. I don't know. Not, why would I do that? I don't know. I just did. You know, you're like testing it. Like, why don't I feel that pain anymore? Like, why don't I feel hurt? And my husband, sometimes, like, he would get hangry and stuff. <laughs> Maybe still. And I remember when that would happen, like, I would take it so personal. Like, I would feel the rejection, right? Like, he's grumpy. It's not that he was saying it was my fault, but, like, I would feel pain and rejection, right? Because he was bumping into that wound of mine. Like, I wasn't making him happy, even though it had nothing to do with me. But like all of a sudden, when that would happen, I realized this has nothing to do with me. This is your issue, bro. Like, go eat a piece of toast. Like, I don't know what's going on. But it didn't hurt my feelings anymore. <laughs> it didn't hurt my feelings anymore. And I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, everyone should have their heart healed, right? Um, and, you know, God's so faithful. He, he had already restored my relationship with my dad, which was awesome. But he wanted me to have a whole heart. And I know that that's what the Lord wants for you guys today. And maybe some of you have gone through 100 times more terrible situations than I have. And I would just invite you today and let you know, you know, Jesus was being murdered. And he still said, you know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I believe that the blessing isn't about forgiving that person for them. It's about you and what God wants to do through you and bless you in the land. That's what that commandment was all about. He knew he was saying that commandment to people who were flawed, severely not saved either. <laughs> These are flawed people. And um, he wants to give us a full and long life and whole hearts. So today, um, if it was a three-point sermon, I guess, it'd be, you know, forgive, let go of the pain and honor your fathers, your mothers, maybe a spouse, maybe a family member. I know that sounds so crazy because, but that's what God is. Um, Jerry said it, he's radical. Like this is a radical message. You know, everything Jesus taught didn't make sense. <laughs> you know, he's like, if they strike you on one cheek, you know, let them hit you on the other. And, you know, I would say, even though we know that in the church, a lot of times they strike you on one cheek and you're like, Psh, nope, 
not doing that again. You stay over there. I'm here. We'll be okay. And, um, and maybe you let them do it, but the Lord, um, really wanted, I have two things I want to do today, but the first thing is I really wanted to pray. If it's even just for one or two people, I know that God impressed it on me months ago that this was something I was supposed to do. And I'm so glad that I get to do it on Father's Day um, because he's such a good father and he loves us so much and he wants to heal your past. Um, Something really interesting is when God touches your soul because our soul is not tied to time like we are, right? Like I can't go back in time, but all of my memories from the past, when he touched it, he healed it and it went forward and backwards. God was able to heal my heart from things that I couldn't go back in time and fix. So there are situations in your life right now that are locked up because of, you know, our natural bodies are moving linearly, but our spirit and our soul are eternal. God is outside of time. He's not limited by time. He can go back and do whatever he wants. And that might blow your theology, but he created time. He doesn't have to, we're, we're stuck, but he's not. And our soul and our spirit are not really a part of time. Have you ever spent five minutes with the Lord and it felt like hours or spent hours with the Lord and it felt like five minutes? That's, that's our true reality. You know, our natural man is just, you know, getting older (laughs) and, and doing whatever it's doing. (laughs) So I want to pray. I just want all of us to stand because I mean, if you relate to this and want to receive it, awesome. If you know someone who needs to receive it, just stand for them. But I want to pray. Oh, I needed to read this. Sorry. Hold on a second. I'll read it real quick so you don't have to stand too long. This is actually from my friend Denise Engelbrecht's book, um, Parenting Beyond Your Upbringing. Uh, But even if you're not a parent, this is one of the most powerful books. Um, Denise is Josiah and Josh's mom. And Denise and Mark actually help do inner healing and stuff. And she wrote this amazing book. So if you feel like you want to understand more about what I was talking about, you need to get this book from her because it's awesome. So, and she tells her story in it and it's so powerful and um, she's so vulnerable and being vulnerable is hard. Um, I didn't want to do this really today and I felt like the Lord, you know, because I don't want to be like, here, look at my wounds, everybody. And the Lord was telling me, you know, it's Jesus' wounds that heal, but any of our wounds that we've allowed his blood and life to flow through can bring healing as well. So... Um, let's just read. So, uh, rejection and abandonment are categories of pain that come with the great level of wounding in our souls. Many times the coping mechanism we use is to close off our hearts and rely on ourselves to feel rejected. Um, and the prayer I'm going to pray is actually, I've modified from her book, but, uh, let's go here. Have you ever judged a parent or someone significant for something that they've done to hurt you? This judgment causes a snare in your soul and will trap you in a cycle, and the judgment comes back to you almost like a boomerang. In Matthew 7, 1 and 2, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And maybe what I love about this is it's not even talking so much about God's judgment that would come back on us, but our own judgment of others that comes back on us in our life as a consequence. And maybe we even start doing those things that we've judged others for. So to break free from these effects of the judgments made, you need to recognize it as sin and 
ask for forgiveness and repent for it. So I just wanna pray this prayer um, together with you, but also I'm gonna pray over you as well. Um, so let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, out of our pain, and you can put whoever you want in this blank, I'm gonna say my father, but out of my pain, I confess that I had had judgment to my father, and I choose to forgive my father or mother for not being there for me, for hurting me, for not understanding me or loving me well. Lord, please forgive me for judging them and judging the circumstances is unfair. And right now we, by faith, we come out of agreement. Just say, I come out of agreement with this judgment and I renounce it and we place it at the foot of the cross. Lord, I release my father to you. I release my pain to you. I let it go in Jesus' name. Father, remove any anger or bitterness so I can have a clear perspective. I honor my mother and my father, and I repent for not placing them in high esteem in my heart. And as I repent, I just want to declare this over ourselves. We align ourselves with the blessings set forth in your word, with the promise of this commandment, and we thank you that curses are broken now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that every curse, that that fracture and that brokenness was allowed to come in is broken by the power of Jesus. And Lord, just like in Malachi 4, 5, and 6, um, as the hearts of the children turn to their fathers and the fathers to the children, there will be the, the curse broken over the land. God, and I thank you that all abandonment and rejection would be loosed off of these people and all of those online watching, God, we just thank you that we are loosed from it in Jesus' name and that the evidence that these judgments are no longer active and the shame would be gone in Jesus' name. And Father, I just thank you that if any of us as parents need to repent to our children, God, I just ask that you would give us the grace and the words, Lord, that we could heal those relationships. Lord, I believe um, that right now, God, you are even placing um, just ties that were there, the walls that were there that, that we put up, our coping mechanisms. God, we just thank you that these walls have fallen right now in Jesus' name. Um, and, the, and the last thing I want to do, uh, which I feel is important, is I want to pray for prodigals this morning. Um, I feel like there's a window. You know, it's Father's Day it was the father. Um, you know, a lot of times people in the Bible, it says, you know, the father was waiting for the son. And I don't know, theologically, it could have been weeks, months, years. I'm not sure how long he was gone. But what I really felt like the Lord was saying wasn't that he pulled up his little chair and sat there waiting. But in his spirit, man, in his soul, he was waiting and calling his son forth, calling his son home. And when the son started to come home, he knew it. And he said, I'm, he started running. He started running. He didn't, it said he saw him from afar off, but I believe that he felt it to go look and see his son because he had been calling and waiting for his son to come home. And some of us may have prodigal family members or prodigal spouses. Um, we have some friends that we're praying for right now to come home. And so I wanted to pray with you all. I believe there's authority um, right now. So uh, I asked Yvonne actually to help me pray for the prodigals. So I'm going to read this verse. It's Isaiah 49, 24. For those who know about Karen Wheaton, her um, daughter was prodigal. And 
for a few years and left her husband, left her kids. And during this time, the Lord gave her many verses, but this was one of the main ones. It says, can the plunder be snatched from the mighty or the captive of the tyrant be delivered? Indeed, this is what the Lord says. Even the captives of the mighty man can be taken away and the plunder of the tyrant retrieved and released. And I will contend with those who contend with you and I will save your children. That's Isaiah 49, 24. I believe this is a promise for this generation. I believe that she broke through something in the spirit um, for her daughter that if you know her, there's tens of thousands of, of, of parents who have locked onto this and who are praying this for their loved ones. Um, so whoever wants to, like, well, I don't know, Vaughn, I'll just come down here to do the prayer, but we're going to pray right now. And I, I don't want this to be a token prayer. I really feel like God wants to do something right now in, in, in the prodigal. It's Father's Day. The father is calling home the children back to their house. So um, here, come stand up here with me. Uh, let's pray. Father, we just right now by faith, God, we stand knowing that you are the great father, Lord, that you are calling your children home, Lord, and that the hour is urgent. This is an urgent hour. There is not time. God, we need to be on our hands and knees calling back those who are lost, those who have gone astray, those who have left the father's house, God. Father, right now we just declare Isaiah 49, 24, that the captive of the warrior will be released in Jesus' name that the blood of your covenant is greater than any other covenant that they've made with the world. God, I thank you that you took every vow, every um, stronghold that is holding them can be broken by the authority we have as parents, by the authority we have as grandparents. God, I just declare it in Jesus' name that those threads are broken right now in Jesus' name, that these prodigals will be set free out of the prison of their mind, out of the deception over their identity. We to speak you are children of the living God and you will serve him you will serve him mightily and you will have whole hearts thank you Jesus